Welcome on in to the Declaration Podcast. My name is Ty DeClaire. What up? Yeah. Welcome on in. Another episode of TDP. How's it going? First, I'd like to thank the squad. I thank Liam Nolan at Liam Nolan and Boyan Antonoff at Boyan V. Antonoff. Thank you all so much. Over in the Angels, we got Chris Pierce at Chris Pierce 103. Go pick up your litter. Take care of the world. Do your thing. Also, like to thank Mason Tim at MT underscore the underscore RMT. Also, like to thank Matt Nafe at Matt Nafe. Mason, Matt, we got to get together soon. Yeah, I know COVID. I know this. We got to just hop on a chat and just just have a time. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash the declaration online. We'd love to have you over there. Huh. So how's everyone doing this week? It's been uh, it's been a week, that's for sure. I uh, thankfully was able to get Friday and today, Monday, off from work, which was... <sighs> I didn't realize it until basically today, but just how needed it was. I noticed this over the Christmas holidays, too, is when you take just some time off you kind of realize how stressed and how balled up you can be and it's not until for me you know day two day three I start to just <sighs> and it makes me kind of realize a bit too of just how i want to work on that recovery portion and that stress reduction portion in my normal days off and just trying to get that that work-life balance back going again so that's all um that's basically where i'm at today is just trying to take it easy Trying to rest, recover for another week here. And yeah, got a good workout in this morning. Hanging out with Bria and the dog. Doing our thing. Also doing a fantasy football draft, which is bringing me all the joy. On the show this week, we have Stuart Locke. Stu and I go way back. We met in 2012 at U Ottawa, playing football together. And uh, Stu has a very cool story uh it's a very recent story as well where you know around uh january 1st here um you know he he had a a bit of a life change and he was diagnosed with uh he was bipolar one with bipolar two expression and it's a great talk of just how he's seen you know life before um, you know, the, the changes that he's made in terms of his treatments and the things that I've said the same, it's a great conversation on identity on just an honest conversation on mental health. And we do just, it's a great conversation. You're going to love it. You can follow Stu over at Laquadzilla on Instagram, go find a uh, Kodiak barbell, Facebook, where, what have you. I'll put the, uh, the links in the show notes below. But I don't want to belabor this. It's a great show. Let's get to it. If you like the show, subscribe, comment, share, all that good stuff. Love to have you over there and uh, share it with a friend who you think might need to hear this, might want to hear this. We're all about just being open and honest and letting you know that this, you know, we're not supposed to go through this life thing alone. So that's why we're having these conversations, that's why we're being open. And on that note... This is a very open conversation, and I loved having it. So please welcome Stuart Locke.
welcome back into another episode. Stu, thanks for joining me, brother. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Just uh, just got back from a good workout. It's a sunny day here in Ottawa. Life is good, my friend. Man, I was thinking about that today. Like I got it's it's Monday when we're recording, a little holiday Monday, and I was like, if I don't get a workout in this morning, I'm just gonna feel like a blob for the rest of the day. And like it, it just it just changes your whole day once you get a good workout in. It does and it doesn't, right? Because it's it's one of those things where you know, I think a lot of people are like really hard on themselves when it comes to they're like, oh, well, like if I have the day off, I have to do something. It's like right. having that kind of that downtime is like really, really, really crucial. Oh, yeah. And um, especially like with the work from home, right? Like people don't work, but they also never stop working. Yeah. So it's like times like this is like chill the fuck out. Yeah. And like learning how to do nothing and be OK with it or, you know, just having those rest days or how you recover oh and it, yeah it's, and it's, it's, it's yeah yeah it's a tough lesson i don't know why but it it can be tough well and i think it, it, a lot of it has to do with like the expectations placed on you by like employers right mm-hmm. so they'll be like oh you know you have to get all this shit done this week and you know you have 40 hours to do it and you're like you know a lot of people they procrastinate mm-hmm. and then they don't understand why it's not getting done. And then at the end of the week, they're like, Oh wait, I have to work 14 hours today and only get paid for eight because I fucked around Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's like, well, that's kind of on you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. And yeah, this whole work from home COVID, it's just been an entire adjustment and like an illumination on what works, what doesn't work. And just a, 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 almost like a, a dilution almost of just like everything that we've, that we do on a day to day. Yeah. Now, have you found that, like, what's been the hardest, like, the hardest um, adjustment for you going from, like, working in an office versus, like, working at home? I think what you said right there is shutting off work at the end of the day and, mm-hmm. you know, leading to, like, off time. Like, you would think, like, oh, sweet, muck around in sweatpants all day, you know, it's going to be great. But, yeah, the, I just found that stress continued unless I did something about it. And it's still something I'm trying to iron out to this day for sure. But like learning how to turn off work, you know, close the door, leave that stuff in there. Don't take it with you the rest of the day. It, it's It's been a lesson for sure this this past eight months, whatever it's been at this point. Mm-hmm. What about no, yourself? Um, well, here's the thing, right? So I, um, you know, I worked at Good Life for three and a half years and I left in October when the second lockdown happened. And, you know, cause for me, it was like, I had transitioned most, if not all of my business to online. And, um, you know, I was only working like maybe 10 client hours a week. So, you know, maybe making like 600 bucks bi-weekly, like I, none of my money was coming from there. So it didn't make sense. Um, you know, it was like, it was the most of my time being taken up by any one thing in my schedule. And I was getting the least amount of return from it. So I just left. And, uh, I work online now. So it's like, you know, I coach 40, check my roster this morning, 41 people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like they'll send me videos or emails or X or Y or Z. And my entire work week is maybe 10 hours. Okay. So like I spend a lot of time like on self-development. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time outside. Like I do a lot of walks. Um, I do a lot of reading. Just kind of the things that I enjoy Hundred percent. I think I might have lost you here. 
Are you there? Oh, the joys of recording over Zoom. Oh, and so there. then it's like, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely lost you there for the last like 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah. It says, it says internet connection is unstable. Um, yeah. So I was just saying that like the longest I will, the longest I'll have to work with a client at any one time throughout the day, even though they're available to, or I'm available to them at any point is like maybe two minutes. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, all right, like that'll happen with, 40 clients over the course of the day, maybe not every day because they all don't work out on the same days. Some don't check in as often, some check in more often. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really allowed me to kind of like pursue my passions mm-hmm. and uh, well, especially like with the whole, with the whole diagnosis and stuff, it's allowed me to kind of like work through that and then you got to figure out how my brain works now. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, no. And I, I guess we should probably back up too, like, you know, you and I met when I moved to Ottawa and we both ended up going to you, Ottawa and start on the football team there. And mm-hmm. um, basically, yeah, we, we met, what was that? 2012, I want to say. 12. Yes. Yeah, yeah. August 2012. Yeah. And like I said, we both kind of, I think we both went through almost like a putting football, like put it an end to our football career around mm-hmm. the same time as well. Yeah. You just kind of want to walk people through like. I guess maybe from 2012 to present and just kind of walk us through that a bit. And yeah, like just talk about how your life is, you know, the, the steps and things that have changed for yourself over the yeah. months here. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's been a long time. So 2012 played football at Uottawa. I left in the spring of 2013, uh, came back in the fall of 2013. And I was like, I should probably play a sport because otherwise I'm just going to do nothing. Um, and so I, uh, Played rugby for two years at Uottawa. End of the second season, I was named captain. Uh, that off season, I left to go back to the football team. Um, played the fall of 2015. Ended up having to stop because I got a bunch of concussions in a very short period of time. Uh, and then I had probably, um, probably about six months of outpatient rehabilitation um, just because my brain was mush at that point. And... Um, yeah. And then I was just in school from 2016, graduated spring of 2017, um, started working at Good Life in the fall of 2017, uh, worked there for, yeah, from fall 2017 to October 2020. So I guess a little over three years. And then um, everything just kind of like I had started to notice that I would have up and down periods um they they started probably after my concussions um i would have up and down periods of probably mostly downs not a ton of ups um you know maybe like two weeks in length three weeks in length i couldn't really link them to anything um i just feel kind of shitty and i would assume that it's seasonal affective disorder or something and um they weren't ever really that bad so i was just i'd still get up and go to work i just fucking hated life um and then in august uh, my mood started cycling pretty rapidly. So I would go from like, I was like on a high, high, like the highest I've ever felt like, you know, super stoked on life, super stoked about my future, all this stuff. And then, you know, that was like mid August by like the first week of September, I was like bedridden for two weeks. Like, uh, you know, couldn't eat, slept 19 hours a day, would get up, cry in the shower, <laughs> brush my teeth, mm-hmm. cry on the couch, watch TV. Um, and then I cycled back up into some kind of mania. Um, and then this kind of went on unabated 
like the rapidly cycling until January 1st. Uh, I was out West with friends and I was like on the highest of highs. I was like, this is incredible. Oh my God, my life's amazing. And the thing is, is like, you know, Ty, as you're well aware, like being out on the West coast in winter is great. And you do feel a lot better because it's sunny and it's 10 to 12 degrees. There's no snow. Mm-hmm. Everyone's chill as fuck. You're like, this is great. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to Ontario on the 30th of December. And then my mood went from like here to, and then by, uh, by new year's day, I was like, something is very wrong. Um, I checked myself in the ER on January 2nd and they were like, yeah, something's up here. Um, and I finally got the diagnosis from a psychiatrist on January 4th of, uh, bipolar one with bipolar two expression. So based on the, uh Based on the severity of my symptoms, uh, it's bipolar one, but based on the expression of the symptoms that I have, it's bipolar two. So, you know, like I would have, <clears throat> like my, my bipolar disorder is more so marked by uh, very, very strong periods of depression and then what's known as hypomania. So not super, super high. Like I don't, don't visually appear or seem to be like nuts, quote unquote. Um, more so just seemed like stoked on life, really happy, really optimistic. Uh, I had a pretty reduced need for sleep, um, would make poor choices with money poor relationship choices. Um, and then I've been on, uh, Seroquel, which is a, an atypical antipsychotic since January 4th. Mm-hmm. And that has been like a complete game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize it's funny. Cause like, I didn't realize how completely unbalanced I was. Until. until I achieved balance. Right. And I was like, holy fuck, this is how everyone else's brain feels. <laughs> what the fuck? I was mind blown. I was like, yo, this is life on easy mode. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And I can only imagine like just the, the, the change and just being like, oh, this is what like quote unquote normal. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's like, and I think too, like with the Seroquel and all that, it seems like you had a pretty straightforward transition with the medication or like was there any side effects along i got i got really really lucky so typically like you know when you when you you have bipolar disorder they'll put you on you know mood stabilizers right right? so zirquil is an antipsychotic but principally uses a mood stabilizer and you know after talking to other people who are bipolar like you might go through two three four medications before you find one that sticks Mm -hmm. and so i started on seroquel and the first thing i noticed was like sleep so like I have been an always my entire life I've been a notoriously bad sleeper. Like Preach. four and a half, five hours, I'll wake up for two hours a night. Um, just no 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 length of time that I stay asleep. And remember that first night on Seracle, like I took it because they're like, take it before bed. I took it, I went to sleep at like ten thirty and I got up like nine thirty the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was like really exhausted. And that happened for like probably a week. And then like the exhaustion went away. I wasn't so exhausted all the time. And I was just sleeping well at night. And the the more consistently I linked together like good sleep, like seven and a half, eight, maybe eight and a half hours a night. I was like, this is literally life changing. Because mm-hmm. I had never in like, you know, my entire adult life, I had never had that level of consistent sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd have like maybe one good night out of two weeks where I'd get seven and a half hours. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, this is, this is a game changer. And then 
uh, like, you know, no racing thoughts, uh, no compulsions, mm. uh, like no, no, intru- like nothing. Mm. It was just, it's like someone flipped, flipped a switch and, and they nailed the dose right off the bat mm. and they nailed the medication right off the bat. So I got wow. really, really lucky in that regard. Mm. Um, but that is not, that is not typical. And um, it's interesting because now looking back in, because you always look back in hindsight because you're like, oh, like, I wonder when it actually started. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the single greatest um, kind of like predictive factor for bipolar disorder is uh, history of head injuries. Mm. So it's like, Makes, that's yeah. what's nuts is like, it's, you know, it's an increase of like 400 and something percent over baseline. Really? It's above literally everything else. Nothing huh. else. It, it, it that and uh, the only other thing is that and uh, childhood intelligence. So if, if they measure intelligence quotient in children, uh, the higher the, the deviation from standard, the higher the chance of of, of them being uh, of them being bipolar. So that's kind of a predictive indicator. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like like head injuries are like nothing else even comes close. Hmm. Um, which is which is interesting, kind of when you think about like how bipolar disorder works right because it's like you have a huge dump of serotonin and dopamine for a short period of time whether it's a week or a week and a half or two weeks and then you don't have any serotonin and dopamine left over then you go into this major depression so it's essentially like you know if you had cruise control on your car it just didn't exist and it was all gas or all brake right and right. so it would make sense repeatedly getting the hit in the head causes that to happen <laughs> Yeah. And like looking back, you know, you can put two and two together. It makes so much sense, but I'm sure there were just many months and just times of just wondering like, what the hell's going on? And just well, in that, yeah. and that was, and I think that's what was hardest, right? Is cause like, I, um, I would feel really, I would feel okay. Right. Like I'd be, on, I'd be on an up, right. Like a hypomanic up. And I'd be like, dude, like, I feel fucking fine. Like, why was I sobbing uncontrolled, like, for the last two weeks? Mm-hmm. And then something would happen, or I would get a couple of nights of bad sleep, and then right back into depression. And then, <clears throat> you know, like, I had gone to the hospital in September because I had kind of, like, intrusive thoughts and suicidal ideation, and I couldn't couldn't get myself sorted, so I went to the hospital, and they didn't think anything of it. They were like, mm-hmm. you're just suicidal. I was like, okay. And then even in January when I went, they're like, Cause I, I'm the one that like finally fucking pieced it together. Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, okay, hold on. Like these ups keep getting more up mm-hmm. and the downs keep getting more down. Yeah. There's no return to baseline. <laughs> and, uh, it was so funny too. Cause I, I, when I finally talked to the psychiatrist, he was like, dude, he's like, it's literally like, you've just read me mm-hmm. that you've read me everything that happens. And he's like, cause He's like, you're a hundred percent bipolar. And he was like, you know, just, just for curiosity, like how long has this gone on with you? Like, you know, cause I'd gone through three therapists and I'd been to the ER twice <clears throat> and no one had even thought right. that was a possibility. And I was like, well, like I've gone through three therapists and I've been to the ER twice and no one's caught it. And he's like, fuck. And that's, the, and that's the crazy thing, right? Is um, when, you're down when you go in to tell the doctor about it you don't think to tell them about the periods where like you're stoked on life mm-hmm. and love life mm-hmm. you only think to tell them about like yeah you know like i just keep wanting to jump off my balcony <laughs> right and that's what they're going to focus on harm reduction all that stuff but 
And that's the strange thing is it's like you have to be your own advocate. And if you don't know or you're not aware of what's going on, it's so hard to get the proper treatment, the proper help, the proper resources, anything like that. Well, and it's yeah, and and that's what's uh that's what's been uh, really unfortunate, you know, for me to kind of see is like, you know, there's there's a uh, there's other people that, you know, like since this has become public, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I kind of viewed it from the perspective of like, well, fuck, like I went through the ringer for six months, no one figured it out. And then I had to figure it out on my own, mm-hmm. you know, like there's other people more than likely suffering with a similar issue. So if I go public with this, like maybe it'll help others. Um, and there's so many people I've gone to where like, they'll go to their doctor or they'll ask for an appointment with a psychiatrist. And they'll get, they'll get harangued and they'll get, you know, they'll get talked down to be like, well, like, you know, it's my job to diagnose, not yours. Like why, you know, in what universe do you think that that's reasonable? Like all kinds of like ludicrous shit, right? Because it's <clears throat> for whatever reason, you know, like uh, a lot of these doctors egos start to come before mm-hmm. like actually treating the patient in front of them, which has mm-hmm. been really, really unfortunate for me to hear. So um, thankfully, you know, like the people that I've talked to about it, like, they've gone through the ringer but they've you know they've finally gotten Mm -hmm. treatment and they finally gotten diagnosis and you know they're kind of on the right track now but like it's not easy they either just they either just think that you're suicidal or um they don't want to be proven wrong because they've diagnosed Mm -hmm. you something else right and that's the unfortunate and human side of all this but you know i am really glad to hear that you know you've found something that's worked for you right now and like i said hopefully that that's that's helping like are you noticing any any lifestyle changes any other changes that are going along since the diagnosis um now here's the funny thing right so i you know i look back on it and like i've i've had these kind of these swings since probably 2015 maybe a little bit earlier they were they were not as not as intense earlier but since 2015 they've been there and you know, when you look at people who try to manage bipolar disorder without medication, because there are people that do it, they all kind of do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is you eat properly, you get enough sleep, and you exercise. Mm-hmm. You just live, quote unquote, a good life. And aside from the sleep, everything else I was doing was that right like Mm -hmm. i go to bed at the same time as shit i wake up at the same time as shit i eat the same foods every day i work out at the same times every day i you know what i mean like i have the same amount of caffeine every day like all of this stuff like there was no variance in my life whatsoever and so um and that's just kind of how i lived my life and i think i had almost kind of reverted to those techniques subconsciously because i was like well i feel really fucked up when i don't do this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and so it's almost like it's it's allowed me to kind of double down on those things. So it's like, I don't have a choice when I go to bed. Like I'm in bed at 1030 lights out at 11. There's no discussion mm-hmm. regardless of what's happening. If I'm, if I'm hanging out with friends, I leave by nine 30. Cause I, you know, let's say it takes me 30 minutes to get home. I have to have 30 minutes to unwind and get ready for bed. And I have to be in bed by 1030 and lights have to be out by 11. Like there's no, there's no discussion. And so, because like, even with medication, you know, if I have a couple of nights where I don't sleep very well, I'll start to feel really funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like medication definitely takes the edge off, but you, you know, I've really had to be super consistent with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise like, 
I mean, I haven't, I mean, it's been, you know, at this point it's been what, six weeks. So, um, you know, I haven't had any blowups yet. Thank God. But, uh, yeah, like I, I just, I have to essentially live a clean lifestyle, you know, like, uh, you know, don't smoke pot, don't drink, don't do any other drugs. Because if I do, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, but I mean, it, it's different when you almost have that why. And like, we can have that why being like, yeah, I want to live a healthy lifestyle. I want to be the best it can. You know, I know exercise is good, all that stuff. But it's like, for me to function even close to something that's like, you know, productive or normal or just something that I want to live, like you have to get that sleep right. And just seeing that, yeah, no, that makes all the sense. And like I said, you can, you can know the answers, you can know, eat healthy, sleep well. But when there's that addition of like, no, my brain's not going to function properly if I don't get the sleep right. And how that met, you can see where that medication comes in. It's it's not just a bandaid. Okay. Keep on going. Like I was going, it's, this is a tool that can help you to make those lifestyle changes easier, more adaptable, and just work more efficiently for you. And, yeah, and that's been, and that's been the big thing is like, and it's funny because like <clears throat> now that I'm actually sleeping, like everything in the gym is going like a million times better. Mm-hmm. So then it's this like it's this, it's this positive feedback loop where it's like I do it, and then the thing that I do to de-stress and enjoy is going better. So then I want to do it more. Yeah, and it's like oh, like when I eat really well, the gym goes even better. So then it's just like. Right. everything is it, it's like a you know it has a compounding effect right so it's not it's not just linear it's mm-hmm. like multiplicative and that's been really really fun yeah because it's like you know i'm starting to like because really at the end there like i was like i was trying to trudge my way through a meat prep and i was like severely depressed right like mm-hmm. i would have the juice to go in and i would like do like a little bit of heavy stuff and then i'd be fucked for like two days and then the moment I was, I had enough energy reserves like available again, I would go and I'd fucking trudge through my next workout. And then that went on for weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't do something as well. Right. No, hundred percent. I'm just really glad to hear that you're, you've been able to find that for yourself and just, like I said, take yeah. that step. Cause that step's not, not easy. And like to, to seek that it's, it's a whole other thing, but I have like, I have two questions that I feel like I can kind of ans- ask in one go here because sure. one of the, probably the, you know, m- biggest parts of my life and just something that I know a lot of people struggle with is that transition from being like an active athlete to, mm-hmm. you know, going into, uh, you know, adult life, whatever that looks like for someone. Right. And mm-hmm. I know that that transition can be difficult in a lot of ways, but, you know, especially with like identity and then you know, thinking about your recent, you know, the, the, new, the news, the, the lifestyle, the, the whole yeah. change since, since basically the new year. Have yeah. you seen any, I, I guess I'll ask this first, like, have you seen any difficulties with that, like, identity portion of everything? Um, yes and no. It's, uh, it explained a lot of things, mm-hmm. like a lot of things. So in many ways, it was very, uh, it's very freeing to get the diagnosis and it kind of like it's funny because like i uh i told one of my closest friends like right after I got, like right after I, I got out of the appointment and he was like well fuck like makes sense he's like you've been fucking nuts for like the last six months and uh and it was it was a, it was a good feeling because i was like no like i'm not 
fucking crazy. Like, this is the problem. This is what's happening. And this is a part of me. Um, but now I can manage it with medication and therapy and I'll be okay. Um, but yeah, like when it comes to kind of like that identity crisis, like if anything, it is because the, the one thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about is, is especially with bipolar disorder, like there are a lot of gifts associated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there are ways that my brain works that are not necessarily neurotypical. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like I, I've always had this ability to, you know, there are certain things that I can do that I've always like really, really been obsessed with because they allow me to kind of turn my brain off because, mm -hmm. you know, in my average day-to-day -day life walking around, I have racing thoughts. If I'm not on medication, I have racing thoughts the entire day, but there are certain things that I can engage in or do that completely eliminate all of those racing thoughts. Right. And so one of those things is like research and learning about stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, I know, you know, if I go down the Wikipedia rabbit hole, like I don't have racing thoughts. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, you know, people are like, Oh, like, you know, you seem to know a lot about this. Like, how did you figure out this? And I was well, like, I tell you, well, because <laughs> uh, it's one of my coping mechanisms for mm -hmm. racing thoughts is like, I have to just like go and just like obsessively research stuff. And it's, it's been very helpful in my career. Right. Because now I've become mm -hmm. this kind of compendium of knowledge. Um, and it's like all of these weird little idiosyncrasies that I've had in my personality forever. I'm like, oh, that's why. Because now, like, you know, the wonderful thing about, about, about the diagnosis is now that I've gone public with it, I can have conversations with other people. Mm -hmm. And there's all of these things that that link up, right? There's all mm -hmm. of these, um, you know, behaviors that will express in bipolar disordered people, like whether they're, they're medicated or not, that seem to be kind of constant, right? Is like, you know, like the, uh, like the obsession with research or like learning about stuff, you know, like the ability to just like sit down. And if you're, if, if you find something that stops the race of thoughts, like, you know, you could do it for six, seven, eight hours, no issues. Mm -hmm. um, whereas like the average person, they'd be like, what the fuck, no, I can't do that. Um, and so it's been, it's been fun because it's kind of allowed me to understand why I am the way that I am. Mm -hmm. um, but also more than that, like, and this is, and this is something that I learned through football is just because it's an aspect of your persona, it shouldn't define. Right. That I think is where a lot of people, you know, leaving the active athlete or leaving the kind of like, you know, varsity athlete, uh, position struggle, mm -hmm. right. Is they're like, well, fuck, like, you know, I'm not the guy that plays football. And it's like, all right, dude. But like, do you really want to just be known as the guy that plays football? Like, is that, is that as, is that all you want to be known by? Right. Like, is that, is that all Stuart Locke is, is that all Ty Declare is like, well, no, like that would be a really shitty, that Not would be a really shitty person. <laughs> yeah. And you would be unhappy the moment you didn't have that. And that was, that was the one thing that I learned, you know, leaving football is you have to be more than the sum of your constituent parts. Yeah. You know, there has to be more to you and you know, everyone, when they leave sports, everyone has their issue. Everyone has that problem, you know, because it, you're grieving, right? You are going through a grieving process. You have yeah. lost something. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of guys, they get really negative on themselves. They get really down because like, what the fuck do I do now? Like, da -da -da, you know, like no one cares. And it's like, well, to be fair, no one cared when you played football either. You just thought that they did. Mm -hmm. um, and there are all these wonderful lessons that we learned through football 
or that we learn through high level sports that we can apply to our lives and be successful right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you know like i know like you and i play the same position and you know a big thing was communication right so now like we've become effective communicators you know we understand the concepts of leadership we understand the concepts of work ethic right And, and like you know those those intangibles make you very valuable to any employer that you'll have but guys get so caught up on this myopic view of like well i don't play football anymore it's like listen motherfucker if you're going to define yourself as a football player for the rest of your life you're going to be deeply unhappy mm-hmm. you are more than just that and um you know a big thing that i've done as of late that has been very cathartic for me is reconnecting uh with passions that i had when i was younger mm-hmm. right and so it's like you know it's uh you know there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of therapy kind of talks about this right it's like you know you kind of speak to your inner child mm-hmm. and um you know, one of those things is like, you know, you ask yourself, it's like, what was I obsessed with when I was like six to 10? Right. And then you go back and you're like, oh, wait, this still brings me the same amount of like boundless joy as it did at that age. Mm-hmm. Why did I stop doing that? So now I've like, you know, like I used to be like when I was a kid, I was really into sci-fi, like sci-fi novels, sci-fi movies, everything. So I've started just like reading again. You know what I mean? And then, um, you know, I was really into like, Age of Empires and computer games. So I started playing computer games again. I'm like, oh my God, this is so much fun. I forgot how much fun this is. But people, as they grow up, you know, they think like, oh, like, you know, that's kid stuff. I'm an adult now. I have to put away childish things. It's like, well, no, because that's, that's really like, that's a big part of what makes you, you. And those, those hobbies can advance and they can grow and they can, they can be a little bit different than they were when you were younger, but like, that's still something that you enjoy. And so, you know, kind of rediscovering the things that I've enjoyed from when I was younger, um, has has really brought me a ton of uh a ton of happiness and you know kind of realizing that you know you're defined by more than um your your diagnosis because i think that's that's a lot of people like they'll define themselves as like instead of being like you know i'm Stuart locke and one of the things that makes me me is like that i have bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. it's like i'm Stuart locke i have bipolar disorder now my entire life is about bipolar disorder exactly and it's just like all right dude you're going to be just as unhappy as when you define yourself as like the football player yeah yeah (laughs) nail on the head yeah 100 percent. and like you said it's it's a sum of the parts it's not the whole story and Mm. yeah i know for me when i stopped playing football it was it was it was almost balanced with like yeah I know that I always say yeah football skills translate to the workplace all that da, 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 da. I'm like but I I don't have the thing that I, I used to love anymore like what do I do now and mm. just like you're saying is pick up those things that you used to like right like yep. video games huge huge and it's something that definitely like went by the wayside and mm-hmm. on the flip side of that just recently I've gotten so much more into watching game film and breaking down football because that's something that fell off in my life once i saw playing football was you know like the, the tape grinding the, the study and all that stuff picking that back up again has been like almost like the, the the reverse but the same as that is like putting those puzzle pieces back together and i, I feel like that's kind of what like I, if i'm hearing you right like that's what the diagnosis was doing for you is it helped you to understand where those puzzle pieces fit in more yeah and just the clearer picture you have just the easier it is to figure out what's going on so mm-hmm. i'm just i'm so happy to hear all that for you and yeah i think that transition is, is huge and yeah just connecting to who you are and understanding 
what makes you tick and not yeah not being defined by what you do but by who you are i think that's that's all really huge yeah one well, and there's um <clears throat> you know there's so many people too is like so much of our character becomes socially conditioned mm-hmm. right and like it's like oh like i have to i have to do this because this is what society has told me that i have to do mm-hmm. and it's like okay so why don't we have the more fundamental conversation which is do you really want to be defined by what society wants you to do right it's like we know that you know society in its current incarnation makes people unhappy and unhealthy and you know uh, mentally ill like all of these things right so it's like why do you what like you know if why would you want to be a cog in a machine that you don't care about you know like figure out what makes you tick figure out what makes you happy figure out the people that make you feel good and just go from there and it's really like <clears throat> that is the most <clears throat> fundamental and i and i feel important thing in life is like set that as an aside for now operate from the pretext of I'm going to find out the things that make me happy, the things that make me tick and the things that, that fulfill me. And I'm going to fill my life with those things. And if in certain circumstances, they happen to align with the values or goals that society has set out and so be it. But if they don't, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, it's like Albert Einstein had a quote and it's like, um, if we always judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's never going to measure up like okay maybe you're just a fish (laughs) exactly yeah and i i I love that perspective i I love every bit of that and just yeah i i can add nothing to that it's it's just (laughs) on the head it's perfect i do feel like this is probably a good time to to go like every person i have on the show because these shows can go 180 different directions and Mm. i always try and bring it back to something that's like actionable and usable this this yeah. was a pretty actionable and you know pretty great episode. But it, what is one tip that you have for a satisfying and healthy life? Honestly, set a schedule. Mm. That's that's holy fuck. Everything else follows that. Um, there's there's two things. One, set a schedule. Two, <clears throat> get some kind of planner. Mm. Um, so I use something called the High Performance Planner by Brendan Burchard. Um, and it's really, really cool because, you know, it, it comes in two month blocks. Like each book is two months. And at the beginning, it'll ask you like all these like really fucking deep questions, right? It's like, you know, um, financially, like, are you this, 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 and this rank yourself one to 10 mm-hmm. spiritually one, like, are you this, 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 and this rank yourself one to 10. And then, <clears throat> cause I just started medication when I started this book and I like, it gives you a ranking out of a hundred, right? At the end, I was like 45 out of 100. And I was like, dude, my life sucks. <laughs> right. But it's, um, you know, there was a, I can't remember what the name of the, uh, <clears throat> the guy, but it was a, it's like a paradox, right? And I can't remember the Stockdale or Stockton paradox. And so it was essentially like, he was the guy that was in the Hanoi Hilton in Vietnam for longer than anyone else. And he, he was there for eight years. And he never cracked. And they asked him like how he did it. And it's a paradox because he essentially told himself, like, you can never give up hope, but you can also never lie to yourself on how completely fucked you are right now. Hmm. And that's what that book allowed me to do, right? Is hmm. I said, well, this, this, them's the breaks. This is where my life is right now. These are the steps that I can take to make my life better. So that's what I'm going to do. And that happened 
with, you know, like habitual daily input, um, you know, towards actions that aligned with my values and my goals, right? You know, so every day it asks you, you know, at the end of the day, if you feel this, this is how you know you'll be successful. Every single day, every time I write in that book, if I feel happy at the end of the day, I know that that day was a success. Nothing else had to have happened other than I feel happy at the end of the day. And when I've operated from that kind of uh, pretext, everything else fell into place. <clears throat> you know, because it, it literally from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., it has you plan out your entire day. It's like, get up this time, breakfast this time, go to the gym this time, you know, podcast a tie at this time, uh, you know, do your programs at this time, lunch at this time, dinner at this time. And when, you know, if you're, if you're someone like me, who is historically, thankfully not now, had issues with racing thoughts, knowing everything that's going to happen the entire time that you're awake is very freeing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like the it's like the goofy Jocko Willink thing, right? It's like, you know, discipline equals freedom. It's fucking true. You mm -hmm. know, give yourself this regiment, give yourself this schedule, and it allows your mind to just turn off. Yeah. And that's what makes people happy. It's like they just their mind doesn't turn off because they don't know what's going on, you know, like they don't know what they're going to do tomorrow, the next day, the next day. And it's like it makes you plan out your entire week, mm -hmm. you know, it makes you plan out your entire month makes you write out your entire month in a calendar and then you add things in. <clears throat> and, yeah. and a big thing too is, you know, especially in the age of COVID, we are interconnected human beings, right? Like no man is an island. And, you know, that's one thing that I really enjoy about this planner too, is it's like one person that you have to connect with today. Mm. Right. Yeah. And then it allows us, you know, because like, I'm sure you're just as bad as me. Like when I get fucking busy, the last thing I think to do is to talk to people. Yeah. But it's so crucial. It's absolutely crucial to the human experience and, and to happiness and, and, and just living the best life that you can. And so it's been wonderful because it's like, you know what? Every Tuesday, I call my dad. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just like people are like, well, you know, you shouldn't need a reminder. It's like, well, listen, dude, it's life. You get busy. If you have to put a reminder in your phone to call your parents and you have to put a reminder in your phone to call your parents, so be it. So, yeah, yeah, maybe should. Yeah, I'll, I'll shame myself there. Yeah, maybe I should, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do it just because I quote unquote should. Yeah. And yeah, like you're saying, like, if you're not trying to spin 47, like, I don't know if people actually live like, like you know, I, I can connect with what you're saying. I'm not sure if other people really jive with that, but it's like, if I'm trying to balance 12 plates, like the, if I have a chance to write down what those 12 plates are, so I don't have to spin them all at the same time and free myself up to do what I need and want to do. Mm -hmm. That just sounds so much better and much more efficient. And just, I'm going to get the best results out of that. So yeah. I think that just makes sense. And, and yeah, absolutely. Like that, that discipline side of it. And I'm sure, you know, if it's the first time anyone's kind of like actively using a journal, what have you, or, you know, trying to plan things out, it might feel like difficult at first, but I mean, what's to lose you, you you get more organized you you have a plan you you're taking steps forward with purpose with intention like that's you know and, and 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 so many people they don't realize that like so much of the misery that they have in their lives is self-inflicted <laughs> and the most freeing realization and also the most miserable realization i've ever had is that every single bad thing that's happened to me in my life is my fault right Mm -hmm. Whether directly or indirectly, I had a hand in it. And, <clears throat> you know, that realization allowed me and gave me the power to change it. Mm -hmm. Right? It's because when it's like, 
you know, your boss yells at you, calls you a piece of shit. It's like, guess what, Ty? That's your fault. Who's it my fault? Well, maybe you weren't doing your job at work. Or maybe you picked a job that you probably shouldn't have been at because you had low self-esteem, right? They're like, it's, it always comes back in some way to be you. It's taking ownership. Yeah, but it's like, but if it's your fault, that also means that you can fix it. And yeah. if you can fix it, you can stop it from making you unhappy. Mm-hmm. You have power. You can action. It. But when you give it away to someone else, you say, this is your fault. This isn't my fault. Then you can't fix it. Then it's in someone else's hands. Yeah. And guess what? When we rely on other people consistently. They're going to discipline us. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just a rule of life. Not everyone all the time, but there's going to be lots of circumstances in which that's the case. Yeah. And you're going to feel pretty hopeless if you feel like everything is in another person's hands and not your own. Exactly. You're disempowered. Exactly. Well, see, I, uh, I've loved this conversation. It's been great. Uh, yeah. If people want to keep up with you, can they find you online anywhere? Yeah. So, um, you know, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Liquadzilla. Um, and then you can also find me on, uh, you can find me through our website. So it's kodiakbarbell.com. Um, and that's, I mean, I think you can find Kodiak Barbell on our Facebook page as well. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't really check my personal Facebook aside from like posting memes. Um, <laughs> it's a good use for it. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, but yeah, so, you know, all of my, all of my information is available there, you know, my bio, all that kind of stuff, you know with regards to to any kind of business related stuff when it comes to coaching so yeah perfect and real quick what's something you're grateful for uh warm weather it's minus three (laughs) here today and it's sunny (laughs) perfect i i uh i love this conversation we'll have to get you back on again in the uh in the near future here and uh yeah i just wish you a great rest of your day awesome man thanks so much